Welcome to our weekly podcast. Today, we're going to continue our study on the seven I am statements that Jesus made about himself in the Gospel of John. Each of these seven statements teach us more about who Jesus is as our Messiah, our Savior, and our Lord. Remember, the name I am is the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. Every time Jesus said, I am, he was ultimately saying, I am God. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was saying that he's the only one who can truly satisfy our lives. When he said, I am the light of the world, he was saying that he's the only real source of light, truth, and guidance in a very dark world. He's the one who frees us from the power of sin and provides a way for us to be adopted into God's family. When Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep, he was saying that he's our one true shepherd and the door to salvation and a full life. Today, we're going to hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. Last week, I gave some extensive background on John chapter 10. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's podcast if you happen to miss that message. In John chapter 10, Jesus used an illustration from the world of shepherds and sheep. This is an illustration that we're somewhat removed from as people who live in the 21st century. But with that being said, this kind of illustration is important for us to learn about because it helps us learn more about who Jesus is and what it means to have a relationship with him. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 10. Our main text for today comes from verses 11 through 21. Now you might recognize this passage immediately follows what we read last Sunday. I'll read the entire text. There are 11 verses, and then we'll go back and break it down into four parts so that we can better understand what Jesus was saying and how his fourth I am statement applies to our lives today. So John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus's fourth I am statement immediately followed his third. Everything we just read is a continuation of the stories that we read last week, where Jesus healed the man who was born blind, where he made the distinction between false shepherds and true shepherds, where he made the statement that he is in fact the one true shepherd who is the gate or the door to salvation and a full life. Continuing his conversation with the Jewish religious leaders, he made another bold statement about who he truly is. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. In making this statement, 
he was contrasting himself with the false shepherds, the Jewish religious leaders who were leading God's people in the wrong direction. In last week's passage, Jesus called them thieves and robbers. Here, he referred to them as hired hands who care nothing for God's people. The Greek word for our English word good in the phrase good shepherd is the word kalos. And this means intrinsically good, beautiful, or fair. Jesus' goodness is inherent to his nature. It's just part of who he is. So when he said, I am the good shepherd, he was saying that he is in fact God because only God is truly good. I mentioned how some of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament were shepherds. Men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David, they were all shepherds. Now, personally, I've never had the opportunity to visit the Holy Land, but I've been told that even today, it's not uncommon to see shepherds leading their flocks. Sheep are a source of livelihood for shepherds, but they're also so much more than that. Good shepherds protect their sheep. They get to know them. They name them all. They get to know their individual traits and their needs, and they raise them up so they're able to produce wool, milk, and more offspring. There are unique things that Jesus has done and is doing that identifies him as our good shepherd. I'd like to highlight four of these things from the text today as we learn more about who Jesus is and what he does as our good shepherd. The first truth that we'll pull from the text is that as our good shepherd, Jesus gave his life for us. We read about this in John 10 verses 11 through 13. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Under the old covenant, the sheep died for the shepherd. This would have been part of the sacrificial system that God's people lived under. But now the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which is us. On five different occasions in this passage, Jesus affirmed the sacrificial nature of his death. You know, Jesus didn't die as a martyr, reluctantly killed by men. No, he died as a substitute who willingly laid down his life. Jesus contrasted himself to the hired hand who watches over the sheep only because he's paid to do so. When something threatens the livelihood of the flock, when predators come around, the hired hand only thinks about himself. But the true shepherd stays put. He does whatever it takes to protect his flock. Now, there's a key phrase in verse 12 that I want to highlight, and it's the phrase, does not own the sheep. This is why the hired hand runs away. The sheep don't belong to him. The good shepherd purchases the sheep, and they're his because he gave his life for them. They belong to him, and he faithfully cares for them no matter the cost. You know, by nature, Sheep are not the most intelligent creatures. They need a shepherd to lead them and care for them. Well, several years ago, in the country of Turkey, a flock of sheep made the news. They made headlines. The shepherds were eating breakfast, and there was no one available to watch over the sheep. There was no hired hand that day. Ordinarily, this wouldn't be a huge deal, except this particular flock was just a few hundred yards away from a cliff with a 45-foot drop-off. It only took one sheep wandering off, and then the rest of the flock decided to follow. 400 sheep ended up falling 45 feet to their deaths. The other 1,100 survived only because the dead sheep broke their fall. And many of the surviving sheep, they were seriously injured. 
And this entire ordeal ended up costing the shepherds around $74,000. Why do I share this with you? Well, throughout the Bible, God's people are often compared to sheep. And I think the comparison is a good one. Like sheep, we are prone to wonder. And we need a shepherd who's willing to go to great lengths to search for us and bring us back. As our good shepherd, that's exactly what Jesus does. He's the kind of shepherd who goes to great lengths to rescue us, to give us a full and meaningful life in him. In the first century, God's people were being led astray by false shepherds, the religious leaders of their day. And people are still being led in the wrong direction today. So God has sent his one and only son to be our good shepherd. And as our good shepherd, Jesus gave his life for us. That's what we celebrate during the Easter season, but it's also what we celebrate every single day. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, Jesus came to be our good shepherd, the one who gave his life for us. He shows us how to experience a full life as sheep who are part of his flock. The second truth that we're going to pull from the text is this, that as our good shepherd, Jesus knows and cares for us. We read about this in John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 14, the word know means so much more than intellectual awareness. You know, God doesn't just know about us. Um, He created us and he made us to know him intimately. John is talking about an intimate relationship between God and his people. In fact, this entire passage is really all about relationship. First century shepherds knew their sheep and they knew how to best care for them. So what does it mean for Jesus to know us and care for us? Well, for starters, he knows our names. In the Gospels, we read about how God knew the names of his people. He called them by name. He called Mary by name. He called the disciples by name. He called Zacchaeus by name. The list goes on and on. And I think there's a really important truth that we can be reminded about from this. And that is, you're not just another number or a body in a chair. The good shepherd knows you by name and cares about even the smallest details of your life. Jesus also knows what we're like, our unique characteristics and personalities. If you look at a flock of sheep from a distance, say a hundred yards away, they all look the same. But the closer you get, the more you realize they all have their own distinctive characteristics. And their shepherds recognize these traits. You know, one sheep may be afraid of heights and another of dark shadows. Well, faithful shepherds take all of these things into consideration as they care for their flocks. Now, we basically have a sheep living in our house. Our dog, Cedar, is a golden doodle. We think he looks just like a sheep when his hair grows out. Now, even though he looks like a million other golden doodles, we know that he's one of a kind. For example, most of the time, he thinks he's a person. He's a little delicate, and he hates to go outside in the rain. Um, He likes to eat carrots a lot, which is weird. And you can usually find him sleeping on a pillow. So he thinks he's a person. I love my dog so much. Uh, So much that I even have a portrait of him hung up in my office. Now, if you can, I want to encourage you to watch the service live this Sunday because I'm going to show a picture of my dog. It's kind of funny. Uh, My wife got it for me about a year ago, and I think you'll get a sense of 
the dry humor that we have, (laughs) hence the weird dog portrait. But as his owners, um, we know and care for our dog in ways that a hired hand would not. Have you ever noticed how different the 12 apostles were from one another? This is one of the reasons I really like the TV show, The Chosen. The Chosen does such a great job at highlighting all of their unique characteristics, some of which they've taken creative license for, for sure. For example, Peter was impulsive and outspoken, while Thomas was hesitant and doubting. Andrew was a people person. He was always bringing others to Jesus, while Judas used other people for personal gain. Jesus knew each of these men personally, and he knew exactly how to lead them. Because our good shepherd knows what we're like, our unique characteristics and personalities, he also knows how to care for us. I don't know about you, but I don't even know what I need most of the time. You know, I like to think that I do, but I'm often wrong. Well, Jesus knows what we need in the portion that we need it. As shepherds care for their sheep, their sheep get to know them better. The same thing happens in our own relationship with Jesus. Sheep get to know their shepherds better by listening to their voice. And we get to know Jesus better by listening to his voice, which is God's word, by applying his word to our daily lives, and by experiencing how he faithfully cares for our needs. As our good shepherd, Jesus knows and cares for us. The third truth that we're going to pull from today's text is this. As our good shepherd, Jesus brings other sheep into the flock. Now, this is so important. John chapter 10, verse 16 says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The sheep that Jesus referred to in the first 10 verses of John chapter 10 were the Jewish people. We talked about this last week. He talked about the difference between true shepherds and false shepherds, how the Jewish religious leaders were false shepherds who were leading God's people in the wrong direction. Well, here, Jesus was talking about the rest of the world, Gentiles, or all those who would believe in him throughout all time. After the resurrection and the beginning of the church, we learn about how the church was never meant to be just a group of Jewish converts. The church is the body of Christ, made up of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. While the good news about Jesus first landed on Jewish ears, it quickly spread to people all over the world. This phrase, one flock, in verse 16, affirms this truth. While we have different local congregations today, something they had in the New Testament as well, there's really only one flock, the people of God, who belong to the good shepherd, Jesus. Here at OCC, we claim to be Christians only, but not the only Christians. And this is important to remember. You know, we love our church, but we're not the only Christians in the world. During his life and ministry, Jesus worked to bring as many people as possible into the flock. And now we've been invited into that same mission. Jesus died for the world. That's what the Bible says. And his desire is that his people would reach the world with the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, sums up what we're all about here at OCC. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
our mission is to make more and better disciples. We believe that we can accomplish this mission by inviting people to come and hear the good news about Jesus, by equipping people to grow in their faith, and by sending people to serve using the various gifts that God has given us. Our good shepherd, Jesus, is all about bringing more people into the flock, and that's what we're to be about as well. You know, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. What a great opportunity to invite friends, family members, and neighbors to come and hear about the greatest message on earth. This time of year, people are more open to talking about issues of faith. So I want to challenge all of our families. I want to challenge you individually. Invite another person to join us next Sunday. Invite them to join you in listening to the podcast. Because Jesus is all about bringing other sheep into the flock. And we're to be about that as well. The fourth and final truth that I'd like to draw from today's text is this. As our good shepherd, Jesus had the authority to take up his life again. We read about this in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. What we're reading about in John chapter 10 happened only a few months before Jesus's crucifixion and ultimately his resurrection. If you kept reading, you'd see that Jesus talked more and more about how he would lay down his life. This is a common theme. He mentioned this two times in these few short verses. Jesus willingly and voluntarily went to the cross. He alone had the authority to give his life. But he also shared how he had the authority to take it up again. From a human point of view, it looked like Jesus was executed. In fact, that's how we often think about the crucifixion and how we think of Easter. But from God's point of view, he laid down his life willingly. His decision to die was freely given in obedience to the Father. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. He voluntarily gave up his spirit to the Father. We read about this in John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus' resurrection was not an afterthought in which God rescued his son from a tragedy. You see, God could not be contained in a tomb. And since Jesus and the Father are one, Jesus possessed the authority to rise from death. What an amazing truth. Let's wrap up the message by reading the last three verses. John chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As with many things that Jesus claimed about himself, his original audience was once again divided in their response. This wasn't the first time that he was accused of being demon-possessed, being accused of being in league with the devil or being a sinner. I think it's a good reminder that the gospel is always what people need to hear, but it's not always what they want to hear. Even today, people will do almost anything to avoid facing the truth. But the truth that we're confronted with today, and it's a good one, is that Jesus is the good shepherd. As our good shepherd, Jesus gave his life for us. As our good shepherd, he knows and cares for us. As our good shepherd, Jesus brings others into the flock. 
And he's called us to do the same. And as our good shepherd, Jesus had the authority to take up his life again. All of these I am statements remind me that it's impossible to be neutral about Jesus. What we believe about him is literally a matter of life and death. If you are a believer, I wanna encourage you to allow God to use these past two messages to renew your faith as you're reminded about who Jesus is as the gate, the door to salvation and a full life and who he is as your good shepherd. If you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus, to follow him with your life, today can be that day. You know, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. If that's you, I would love to talk with you. I want to encourage you uh, to email us here at the church. I'd love to meet with you and talk about how you can take the next step in your faith journey. Jesus is our good shepherd.